Inquirers, and welcome to the always fascinating inquiries of our reality. Today's guest digs into Sasquatch in a very different fashion than most. Most will throw all the extra weird stuff connected to Sasquatch phenomenon out, but this guy finds that and focuses on it in particular. If you dive into the woo-woo side of Sasquatch, this episode is definitely right up your alley. But before we get into that, for anybody that isn't already aware, I will be speaking and vending at the Snarly U presents Cryptid Halloween 2, Cryptid Festival, and Halloween Craft Show. That'll be going on October 28th from 12 to 6, and that will be in West Virginia. And it is a free event to attend, so if you guys are willing to come and make it out, it'd be great. And uh, like I said, Orn and I will be speaking at that, so if anybody is able to make it out, it'd be super-duper cool. But if you're not able to, we should be doing some sort of a live feed of that. And if you're not able to catch the live feed either, we should be uploading it onto YouTube and possibly even some clips onto TikTok and stuff. But there will be ways for you guys to see it if you guys are interested in seeing it, even if you can't make it out. But uh, hopefully I will see you guys there. And if you guys are planning on coming out there, please let me know because I'd love to already know your face and know your name and be able to point you out and have a conversation with you. That kind of stuff's always fun. So uh, yeah, let me know if you guys are attending. And if you guys want some more information on that, uh, there is some links and some more information down in the show description of this episode. And uh, if you guys haven't already left a review or rating for the show, I would definitely appreciate it. Uh, If you guys leave a five-star review on iTunes, then I will read it on the show and give you guys a big shout out. And uh, if you guys don't have not already, don't forget to go and check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Discord, and Telegram, and uh, any other social media websites I might happen to pop up on. Uh, anything that might pop up new, that will all be in the uh, link tree down in the show description, but at least follow on those ones. Those are the main ones that I'm the most active on, especially Instagram. And if anybody's interested in being a guest on the show, whether you're an author, researcher, experiencer, contactee, ufologist, uh, Sasquatch experiencer in particular, uh, any of that kind of stuff, I'd love to have you on the show. Even if you're a listener, um, if it's a short encounter, I'd like to start making some collab episodes possibly with multiple people that are listener encounters and be able to get you guys, the listeners, a little bit more included into the show. So let me know if you guys are interested in any of that. You guys can shoot me a message on Instagram, which I, like I said, is the one I'm the most active on. Or you guys can email me at increaseofourrealitypodcast at outlook.com. Or you can go to the link tree, fill out the submission form, and that will go directly to my email. And uh, make sure you guys check your spam and junk folders. Make sure nothing gets missed in the process. Uh, and if you guys haven't already checked out Bizarre Encounters, my other show that I do with my awesome co-host, Oren, definitely recommend going and checking that out if you guys want to check out some of the deep dives that I do over there. Uh, Oren does a lot of good work over there. I connect a lot of weird theories over there. It's a really fun show. We make some jokes along the way. So definitely go and check it out if you haven't already. 
And if you guys want to keep tabs on anything I do all as a whole, go and check out all the Open Minds Media pages. That's my, uh, I guess you could say, production company for everything that I do, um, such as the Patreon, the YouTube, the TikTok, all that. It's all under Open Minds Media. So then I can uh, include this show and I can also include Bizarre Encounters all in the same place, make it a little bit easier for me and easier for you guys to follow. And if you guys want to support the show, there's a couple different ways to do so. You guys can become Patreon members, such as the awesome people like Riley, Brandy, Floyd, uh, Brian. There's a, there's a bunch of them over there. There's a lot of really cool people. Get, join the ranks of them. You'll get things such as ad-free episodes, early access to the show, lives of the show, live replays, which is the video format of the show, uh, exclusive March Star discounts. And I'm always willing to add some more stuff over there. So if there's anything you guys want to see as far as the Patreon goes, let me know. And I'd love to incorporate it into that to make it even more user-friendly for you guys. And uh, with that, you don't just get increase of our reality. You also get Bizarre Encounters, a little bit more bang for your buck. So definitely go and check it out. Or you guys can donate to the show directly if you want to make it so it's a little bit easier for me to get out to more conventions and different other things going on and get to meet more of you guys firsthand. Uh, you guys can donate through Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, or Red Circle, which is the RSS host for the show. And if you guys donate, let me know you donated. If it doesn't give you some type of option for a personalized message, and I'd love to give you guys a big shout out in the show. And then the third way you guys can support the show is through the Open Minds Media merch store where you'll find all the different new logo designs. Uh, you'll also find some of the other designs that I made, like the Stay Bizarre design and also the Anime Squatch design. And I should be hopefully incorporating the new logo, which should be dropping soon over there in the Open Minds Media merch store. Super duper cool. I think it's going to look really, really cool on a t-shirt. So hopefully you guys will end up scooping that for yourselves. And if you guys scoop anything from the store, if you guys don't mind sending me a picture of you guys wearing it, I'd love to repost on the page and give you guys a big shout out. And uh, if you guys can't support the show in any of those ways, you guys can always just uh, communicate with the show. Let me know what you guys think of the show. Shoot me a message, any of that kind of stuff. Share the show. Uh, there's a bunch of different ways to support podcasts without actually contributing any kind of money or anything like that. So all that stuff is always appreciated just the same. I love getting random messages from you guys saying you guys are enjoying the show or your guys' comments on particular episodes. So don't be discouraged. Shoot me some messages. Let me know what you guys think. Share the shit out of the show. That's the only way that the show is going to continue to grow and make it so that the algorithm makes it so more people are able to see the show. And uh, if you guys haven't already scooped yourself some awesome merchandise from Crypto Theology, you know, half my wardrobe is Crypto Theology. So I definitely recommend going and checking Joe out. He does a lot of really good work over there, always dropping new designs. And uh, he did Squonkapalooza semi recently. So I know that kind of took a lot of his time. So after that, everything is all done and over with with that. There should be some more new merch designs that he's dropping pretty soon. So make sure you guys keep an eye out for that. And uh, everything that I mentioned is all available down in the link tree, down in the show description. And with that, let's get into the show. Please welcome to the show, Sasquatch researcher, Carter Bouchard. How's it going today, man? Pretty good. What's going on? Yeah, not too much. Hanging out, uh, just set up all the Halloween decorations and stuff, uh, put my kids to bed. So sitting down and getting comfortable and ready to do an awesome show. <laughs> That's cool. Now, we, uh, we, uh, we have a 59 Thunderbird convertible, and we drive it in the uh, – uh, you probably never heard – where are you at? Where are you out of? Uh, I'm in Michigan. Oh, Michigan, yeah. Yep. Uh, we have a place here called Worlds of Fun. It's a huge uh, – you know, rides and all that. It's like Six Flags over Texas. Oh, like an amusement park. Yeah, it's an amusement park. And uh, every year they do this haunt parade where they have all these vehicles. Well, my wife uh, dresses up as Elvira. 
<laughs> and I dress up as Hannibal Lecter. I'm wearing a prison jumpsuit. I've got my mask and I drive Elvira and she, you know, wait, but she's a, a physically a dead ringer. She's got the long dark hair and, you know, she's, you know, we've got the sexy dress and all that stuff. So we get asked back every year. <laughs> and, uh, so we're, we're doing that tomorrow night and then next Friday. So that's like, a, and it, when you mentioned the uh, Halloween decorations, my wife's going, well, I want to start decorating. I said, well, this weekend is fine. So, you know, <laughs> see my, I've been trying to sneak stuff out and put it on the front porch and stuff. I said, well, come on, this, you know, it, it's, it's still the middle of September when she's pulling stuff out. So, you know, see, we got the but, opposite uh, dynamic anyway. going over here. It was, uh, my girlfriend wanted to decorate last weekend and we didn't get a chance to, she's like, it's fine. We'll do it in a couple of weeks. So then today I was home from work. So I ended up grabbing all the stuff out and I set it up on top of the washing machine. And then it was kind of like, Hey, it's already out. So we might as well just put it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we have a full-sized uh, inflatable dinosaur, a T-Rex. Now, my grand my granddaughter, who's autistic, is fascinated with dinosaurs. She can name all the dinosaurs. And, and if, if I say something wrong, which I normally do on purpose, just to hear her correct me, and she's always right. Well, that's a Blobosaurus. That's a blah, blah, blah. She, she knows all of them. You know, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. So, you know, uh, She's autistic, but she's well-schooled and she, she's actually very bright. You know, it's mostly the communication, uh, you know, the words get tangled up sometimes. She was oxygen deprived when she was a kid, you know, well, an infant. So, uh, but she's, she's a dinosaur freak. So we have that big inflatable thing out there and she just, she goes, she, she would sleep in front of, we have her a, a tent she sleeps in. And it's a dinosaur tent. So she loves that. I mean, she just, it's neat seeing them get freaked out about anything, but she's, you know, she's enamored with dinosaurs. So the Halloween things is perfect for her. So. Say so it looks out that it just happens to be a dinosaur too. My, my son's super duper into dinosaurs and he watches a show called dinosaur ranch. And it's like anything like that. If I buy a dinosaur tent, if I put anything out with dinosaurs, he's running up and he's like, dino, dino. <laughs> yeah. When she comes and visits, you got to walk to make sure you're not going to step on a dinosaur. It gets left on the floor, little toys, little, you know, play toys. They hurt like crazy when you step on one, especially at three o'clock in the morning. Ooh, it's like the equivalent to the Lego carpet. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's like a Lego little sharp tails and everything. So anyway, <laughs> well, I guess about that to get into it, then uh, for anybody that may not be familiar with who you are, what you do, uh, why don't you let them know a little bit about yourself and what you do? Okay. Uh, I'm Carter Bouchard. I live in uh, Liberty, Missouri uh, from Dallas, Texas. Uh, I've been researching Sasquatch for probably about 15, 20 years. Uh, I joined BFRO. Um, 2011, 12, uh, I've led uh, four expeditions for BFRO, three in Missouri, one in uh, Michigan in 2019. Uh, not Michigan, sorry, uh, Illinois. I, I thought I got and, lucky for uh, a minute that you came up to Michigan. I was going to say I have to go out with you sometime. <laughs> I completely snubbed you. You know, I can't believe it. <laughs> uh, and I've written three books. I'm working on a fourth. And I've had 100 reports published to BFRO.net. You know, that's published, not just turned in, but they you know, you can look them up if they're, you know, if they're still up, I mean, they, they come and go. But, uh, so I've, you know, I've been around the block a few times. I probably interviewed at least 500 witnesses, probably more, but at least that many, because to get a hundred reports published, you probably got to talk to two, 300 witnesses just to go through all the ones that the reports just don't make it. So anyway, uh, I, uh, 
I was a consultant on uh, two of the Finding Bigfoot TV shows, uh, one in uh, Missouri, one in Kansas. And a lot of those witnesses on those shows were uh, mine uh, from the reports. And so, uh, and that's me in a nutshell. I believe them to be uh, possessing skills that most people do not believe they possess, uh, which would be quantum paranormal. Uh, they have a language, they speak. If you've done anything with Ron Moorhead, you know that. You've heard his Sierra tapes. Uh, so they're a thinking, sentient and sapient being they're not an animal i mean we're all animals but they're not a creature they're a people and so a lot of people have a hard time grasping that you know but that's just my belief and i've had uh, events happen to me uh with others around so uh, i know from whence i speak as far as that goes you know whether you buy it or not it's up to you it, you know there's a big divide in the you know research community it's either apes only or paranormal yeah, or the woo, which I, you know, to me is kind of a insulting word, but that's everybody uses it. But you know, paranormal and quantum type skill sets, uh, changing vibrational frequencies, uh, using portals uh, to get from one place to another is a distinct possibility. Uh, there's just things that I've seen and experiences many of my witnesses have that just is off the charts. It, it, it's in no way, shape, or form a dumb ape only. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Show. Because I know that your research is a lot different than a lot of other Sasquatch researchers research because you dig into a lot of yeah. like the weird phenomenon, which is what I find to be some of the most fascinating. And it usually gets thrown off just because of the fact that it's, you know, people, they want it to fit in this specific box, like you were saying, with the two different camps. So a lot of the time, just like the stuff that doesn't make sense, they just won't report those reports, even though sometimes, most of the time, those are the most fascinating reports. And uh, it's yeah. actually fell at a really good time, too, because the last episode I did, I had on uh, a guy from Giants of uh, Ancient America. His name is Travis Roy. And uh, we got into this whole possible theory about how there was giants theoretically at one point, because he actually somewhere in Texas found these giant footprints. Um, and then we got into this whole kind of theory about like if these giants started having trying to have babies with uh, people that you kind of have something that's around like the midsize. And we were kind of doing some math and saying that he was finding these giant footprints that had about an 11 foot stride. So I was kind of considering that if you took a three foot stride of like a person that's average about six feet, and then you take like about roughly like a five to six foot stride of like a Sasquatch and you say they're roughly around like 10 feet, then if you took something that has 11 foot stride, roughly it'd be around like 20 something feet. So, I mean, if you take the small and the big, and obviously the woman wouldn't end up surviving giving birth to something that's of that size, that it may create these like middle range type of beings so i mean that kind of falls into what you're saying about them being another race rather than like a creature out in the wood but woods but that's just just another kind of theory to throw into it but i definitely uh love the different weird aspects to them and sometimes i kind of throw in the idea that some of these abilities might actually be more natural than we understand uh because a lot of the time you know we'll find animals in nature that are specifically they only have this one trait and nothing else has that in nature and it's, you know, it seems like a weird woo-woo ability until we actually understand it. So, I mean, a lot of these weird abilities that we're looking into that these Sasquatch might possess might not actually be like some crazy weird woo-woo magic, but rather just a natural ability that we just don't understand yet. Yeah. Well, you know, part of the problem with the, uh, the woo, uh, uh, the dumb ape and the uh, paranormal uh, camps, and they're really two separate camps. I mean, you're either there 
or on the other side is just but the thing the, the main problem is that we as humans uh, the day you uh, exit the birth canal from your mother you are taught how the world is and so the first 18 to 22 years of your life if you go on to college is spent educating you we'll call it educating i call it indoctrinating you we're told how the world is there's no this there's no that there's no ufos there's no sasquatch there's no ghost there's no dog man there's no slender man there's no none of this you know and you're taught that in church uh in school your peers your parents and you're surrounded by it. and they're all taught the same thing so you're all talking uh with the same language let's just say you're speaking uh, of from ignorance because you're not you're you're told how the world is and so that's what you think that's what you know then suddenly you see something you can't explain like a ufo or a sasquatch you're out in the woods camping and you see this you know eight nine ten foot thing uh walking around and you're going well that doesn't exist i, I must have had a bad taco or something because that, that just can't be Special you know, kind of mushrooms on those tacos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah. But, but but that's the thing. So we're taught. So then when you see something, you just go blow it off. And you grow up, and as you get older and older, you get set in your ways. And it takes harder and longer to get you to even discuss possibilities of anything, you know. So the government tells you there's no UFOs, okay? Uh, well, that's true. That we, we don't have those skills. So there's no UFOs. Oh, wait. They just admitted there are UFOs. So they've been lying to us for 80 to 100 years. Yep. You know, so it's going to be the same with Sasquatch. They know they exist. Now, between the lumber companies and the paper companies and uh, the government and science, flying the banner of these things don't exist, we're, we're screwed because they're, they're the knowledge holders and the information keepers, you know? And so we have to wait for them to say something. So now they've, you know, slipped up and we've got too much technology at our hands. And uh, we found the UAPs and the UFOs and the abductees and all this other stuff going on. So we know they're, they, they've been bullcrapping us about that. So it's just a matter of time. They're going to have to do something with the, uh, the Sasquatch. Uh, but that's probably a, a more, uh, deafening noise that's going to come out of that because they are part of us. We are part of them. You know, the DNA studies, of course, they've all been denied, but the DNA studies are showing 50% uh, human female with the, uh, with the uh, mitochondrial DNA. And then the male supplier of DNA is the nuclear. And it is a, unknown hominid might fit into that theory that i said about the giants and the women of yeah yeah human women yeah so the only the only thing that doesn't fit like you said is you know a you know a five and a half foot tall earth woman giving birth to a you know could be a 15 to 20 foot beast you know i mean massively how, how the thing comes out like size of a teenager Mm -hmm. So it, it maybe a few women were sacrificed during that. I don't know. But, you know, if, if you get into the genetic mixing of the races of the humans and the Sasquatch, you know, uh, there's a really good book called Everything You Know Is Wrong by Lloyd Pye. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's I believe I have. Book. He's got two. Uh, it's really good. It gets into the Anunnaki and the Sumerians and that uh, the Anunnaki on their planet, Nerubu, you have to listen to this, um, their uh, atmosphere 
was slowly deteriorating and they came to earth because they knew earth was plentiful in gold and gold in its powder form is very, very good for plugging holes and uh, making things, you know, whole again, as far as the atmosphere. And so the Sumerians have their cylinders that came out and their gold cylinders before paper was around. They had these golden cylinders and they told the story of the Anunnaki coming here and breeding their race with what was here then, which was Sasquatch or the form of Sasquatch. And they bred them down. It took hundreds of thousands of years until we got to what we have now, what we are now. They're called the hairless humans in, in these texts. The hairless humans, we were given just enough uh, mental control to be able to make decisions, but to not revolt and try to undo what they have done. And we were used as slaves to mine for gold so the Anunnaki could come and take it back to their, their planet and repair their atmosphere. So uh, it, there's a lot more to it, but that's generally what it is. It's a Cliff Notes version, very Cliff Notes. But, you know, if you get into that we were bred down until they got to what we are now, and the Sasquatch were still here. And, and, and so that's where we're at with that. There's other theories, of course, but that's an interesting one. Oh, and yeah. it would come up, it would come up, it would explain the 50-50 DNA, you know? And so it, it's just, it's, there's something going on. You know, you know, you've heard enough stuff. There's something wrong and rotten in Denmark. There's something that they're, you know, they're spreading manure for us to, to soak up and try to explain things away, you know, I mean, these beings are highly intelligent, far more intelligent than we are. And, you know, we used to have the skills that they had, uh, telepathy, possibly levitation, uh, cloaking, just disappearing changing their vibrational frequency to walk into a tree and not come out uh, or just disappear. Or, and, and they can do that. That's reported from too many people. Too many people are reporting that, you know? And so have I talked to 500 just insane people? That's all I'm finding is insane nuts. And all the other researchers that are doing this, are we all speaking to just crazy people? I mean, if no, one in the 500 is right, then that still disproves it. And that shows that there is still something weird going on. All there has to be is just one that's yeah. right. Yeah. And it's, you know, too many people now, you know, and I've talked to a lot of folks and there are some that try to, 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 to yank your chain and they're easy to figure out. You know, if you've talked to enough people, you know how to interview people and, you know, you can ask them the same question four different ways. They have no idea. You just ask them the same question four different ways and the lies start popping up. It's, it's really you know, it's child's play for me now, you know? And so, uh, but the ones that are sincere, they don't want any fame, fortune. They don't want any money. They don't want their name anywhere. All my books, all my people uh, have uh, pseudonyms. I either give a false location or none at all. I just tell the story, you know, who it happened to and where is unimportant. It's the event. And they all tell the same general story. I saw this thing. It walked at me. It spoke to me. I heard its voice in my head. I've heard that before, you know, uh, 
they speak to me. And so uh, if you can't wrap your head around that, well, you can't. That just, and I, I'm not going to try to convince you or force you because it's happened to me. And I'm not a, a crazy person, you know. I'm an old hippie. I'm no <laughs> rock and roll drummer, but I'm not a crazy person. I may have been back then, but I'm, I'm not insane. I'm not trying to, you know, push a bill of goods or anything. It's just what people are telling me. And the stories are so similar. And it, you, you, you just know you're talking to a sane, rational person who believes this. And I've talked to so many people who have just burst out crying with joy after getting to talk to somebody who's not ridiculing them and making fun of them, you know, uh, those around you will ridicule you like, like nobody else, your spouse, boyfriends, girlfriends, you know, fellow workers, uh, other family members, immediate family members, they can make fun of you because, well, they think they can, but you know, they don't know how serious you are and that you're actually, I'm not kidding. I'm not saying this for a reaction. This is really happening to me. Excuse me. I mean, so, even my friends and family, yeah. like they don't know any of my experiences that I've had. I mean, I haven't seen like a Sasquatch necessarily. I've seen some like footprints and stuff, but I had like a totally different uh, encounter with a few other things. And it's like, I tell everybody in this community, but yeah, I don't even tell people that are in like in some fo close family members know. But <clears throat> other than that, it's like the normal people that are in your normal life. It's kind of hard to share these experiences with because it's just like you said everybody kind of thinks you're crazy you kind of have to find like the right community to do it and once you finally do it's like this uplifting yeah. feeling because it's like getting weight off your shoulders and you can actually tell somebody your story and not have them tell you you're absolutely crazy like my weird experience that a lot of the listeners know about like i went like three years or so at least without before i even told anybody that story at all because i just had nobody to tell it to and i knew nobody would listen to it well, yeah, but that, that's too bad. You, 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 you get put in that spot. But, you know, but these people, uh, when you, I can say the stories are just so genuine. And you can tell by the emotion in their voice, the sadness, the joy, the fear, the whole gamut. They're exposing themselves to you because they know you're not going to dog them. You're not just going to go. And I don't know, Bob, that didn't, that sounds like a bunch of crap. I mean, because that, that's what they get. Are you out of your mind? Are you smoking dope? You know, a lot of them wish they were, you know, they just didn't have a reason, you know, that was some good gummies. And man, I saw 14 Sasquatch riding a horse. I mean, you know, that, that kind of stuff that didn't happen. But, you know, my whole point is these people are sincere and they're spilling their guts. And once you open up to them and they can, be comfortably open up to you. They tell you all sorts of things they've been sitting on for 10, 20, 30 years because like your family, you can't tell certain people certain things because, well, you're afraid of getting ridiculed and, and scorned and, and laughed at. I mean, who wants that, you know? So you sit on it and then we all live in the dark, you know, and that inhibits research because the people aren't coming forward. I'm getting people, I'm getting a person or two every month contacting me. Well, I heard your show. I read your book. Someone told me about you. You talked to my friend and she said, you should really talk to this guy because he'll listen to, you know, and, and they, they start blurting out stuff, you know, from the just really simple and mundane stuff. Like they heard, uh, you know, I had a family uh, in Arkansas. They've heard two different Sasquatches conversations one with two sasquatch one with three 
Was it the samurai sounds kind of thing, or were they speaking like a different kind of language? Did they describe it? It's it's samurai chatter. It's it, and they're listening, but you can tell there's diction, there's pausing, you know, there's inflection. The it's a you can tell it's a conversation. I mean, these are rational, intelligent people. They're listening. They're just going, what is that? You know, and then I. I just did the. I'll do the impression I just did for you, and they go, "Oh my God, that's it!" Mm-hmm. I tell them, "Look up Ron Moorhead, Sierra Sounds, buy the CD, listen to it." And there's not a one who said anything like, "I want anything like that." It's dead on like that, you know. And they can speak our language. They can mimic anything, any animal. They can mimic anything. They can mo- Im- imitate a car motor door slamming incredible variety of sounds coming out of because they can mimic anything you know uh, you can hear it when you're listening to a coyote's call all, you know you hear the coyote packs going back and forth all of a sudden you hear one that's like 20 times louder than the pack i've actually so experienced that cycle, once before i was at a lake and i was doing a hike and uh we all we were trying to get the coyotes to make noises, and there was a few of them coming from one side. They kind of went around the around the river or uh, around the pond or the lake, and then there was one over to the one side that was a lot louder than the other ones, even though it sounded like it was farther away. And it was like close, but it still sounded like off. So then we kind of had the impression yeah. that there was, I don't know, just it, it was like I don't want to say anything definite for sure because I didn't actually get eyes on anything, but it was just off and weird. So I have experienced something like that myself too. Yeah. And so, you know, I've heard them, you know, I've heard them imitate. I was leading a, a, a night ops in, uh, I think it was Iowa. And I had about eight people with me. And we were listening to these owls, you know, you know, the barred owls. And they were going back and forth, back and forth. And we heard this other one just really loud. You know, it was just, it was five times louder than the other owls. You could tell. That's a Sasquatch. Well, in the middle of his call, he made, <coughs> he started coughing. <laughs> and then he stopped. And then he started over again like it never happened. It was hilarious. <laughs> he said, buddy, you ain't fooling anybody. I mean, we were all dying laughing. I mean, this is like a real, very serious scientific event. But we were just, we, you, you hear that and you're going, <laughs> that's hilarious. You know, he wanted to get through his act. And so he went through the whole thing of regurgitating the sound he should have made until he, he choked on his wind or whatever. It was hilarious. But that's how you know, you know, and I've got so many examples of that. It's not even funny. I mean, you know, I've heard so many things and, you know, uh, I, I recorded a few of them, but really uh, I don't record the stuff to prove it. I may record something, because I believe someone's having, if, if, if I'm a, at a property that people, and I've never been there and met, met them, I'll record whatever, I'll just turn the recorder on and leave it running all night. Whatever I get, I get. And I've got a, a, some interesting things, you know, uh, but I, I, I don't want to throw equipment into it because the Sasquatch know what that is, you know. Now, my people who, uh, and I, you know, the fourth book I'm working on is strictly habituation, where these beings have lived on these people's property from six months to 24 years. I have eight families 
who allow me to monitor their property. I can go out there anytime I just want to call them and say, hey, I want to come out. Or they'll call me and say, hey, check out what just happened. You know, and they'll play something for me or show me some photos. And so, but this is going to be nothing but habituation. So these people are living with them. And the, the Sasquatch are living on their property and they interact on occasion, but they see each other and they watch each other as they're working in the yard, working in the garden, you know, working on a car. I mean, they see them behind the trees watching them. Sometimes they, uh, one family, uh, they show them a newborn, maybe Sasquatch, little hairless little thing. <laughs> and, and, and that's the kind of relationship because, you know, it's not like a visitation where they kind of come and go and, you know, they don't live there, but, but these people, they're living on their property. They're there. And uh, did they describe they how big the baby was them. just out of curiosity? Um, it, it looked like about a two or three year old. It had a lot of bare spots on it. It did have some hair, but it was, um, it, it, he told me it kind of looked like a, a baby hamster in, in the hair content. You know, it was just this darker flesh, like brown, uh, Hispanic, Indian, uh, Moroccan uh, type skin. And uh, this gentleman's a uh, uh, black man and his wife is white. And so they described it as there was patches of hair, like it was growing his hair. So they didn't know how old, but they'd never seen a baby before. They'd never seen even a juvenile there. And, and so, and they, every morning this guy goes and walks his dog about a quarter mile. They have 200 acres. It's completely fenced. And they walk a quarter mile up to the gate to get mail every morning. It's a routine. He used to walk his dog, take his dog and have his exercise for the day because he stays in a pen. So they walk up to the mailbox and walk back. It's a routine he does every morning, rain or shine. And so the Sasquatch know that. And there's several times they've just been there watching and they are go peek around a tree and go back. They'll let you see them just to let you know they're there but they have his routine down so if they want to see him for the day that was would be an, uh, an opportunity so hide along the path up there more quick. yeah and it's just it's a routine and he doesn't you know <coughs> excuse me and some of these people uh they, they it's such a regular thing i'll talk to him about every two or three months you know three or four times a year and they'll call up and I'll call them and say, hey, what's been going on, you guys? And they'll tell me, well, you know, since the last time I talked to you, let's see, we, uh, we got a new car. Uh, yesterday we went up to Walmart. We got this, that, and the other. I went to you know, Taco Bell and um, got a haircut. And Oh, did I tell you, Ronnie, I saw a Sasquatch? <laughs> just all casual. <laughs> hadn't seen before. It's just like part of their day. They, it's such a regular Routine. Part of it is because they don't tell a lot of people because they don't want to have curious people coming out there. And the other part is it's such a routine that they don't even think about it. Oh, yeah. I, I, I got some photos of some uh, footprints that my daughter uh, found on the concrete. <coughs> Did I send those to you? No. It's such a, you know, like it's an everyday thing. So they don't even think anything of it. It's part of their life. It's ingrained. It's, it, 
and it can you imagine living like that? I mean, I I would move from where I am right now tomorrow. Oh, so would I. Wife would Hands down. <laughs> I tell the I mean? wife she doesn't have any option. Like we're moving. <laughs> yeah, it, to experience that, you know. And I've got I've got, I've got other you know. Oh, in this book, Is that one. That's part three, right? Yeah, that's part three. Look at that handprint. Look at that hand photo. For all the uh, audio listeners, I'll make sure I add that into the cover art so you guys can see what we're looking at too. Yeah, uh, the but this is a this is the really cool. I'm gonna show this to you, and you probably have you read that. Yeah, actually, I got all three up on the shelf, and I read all three of them. You see that picture? Yep, the face on the uh, what was that? It was outside of a greenhouse, right? Yeah. And for all the audio listeners, again, I mean, I'll include this in the cover art so you guys can see what we're looking at. That is an incredible photo. Now, that was taken uh, from the outside of their greenhouse. They, they build their own greenhouses. With, you know, they look like big Quonset huts. They're about uh, 50, 60 feet long and about 25 feet wide. And it's, it's that big, you know, big sheet plastic. You can just, you know, it's it's not the hard plastic, it's the soft plastic, like, you know, you use for painting or whatever. And they just, just stretch it over the, uh, and that picture, that being, that was a juvenile Sasquatch. He was on the inside looking out for the human. So he was pressing his face up to the plastic and all the moisture in there is the condensation from the propane heaters they used to keep their uh, vegetables because they, they make their living growing and selling vegetables at farmers markets. And so uh, the Sasquatch were getting in there. Uh, they didn't know who it was at first, although they had seen the Sasquatch around the property. They were well aware that they were around the property, but they had no idea they had the, the sense to break in and eat their food. They thought some of the neighbors were stealing their food and trying to sell it as their own. So uh, he, uh, they decided to uh, lock the door, put a lock on the door. So if somebody was going to get in there, they're going to have to tear into the plastic. Uh, but what they didn't know, they have two Quonset huts side by side. And in, in between the two are these propane heaters. And so they figured out how to lift the plastic up, crawl in under and get into the food, pull the plastic back down. And they would lay in there and eat the food and fall asleep. You can see these big, huge <laughs> eight, nine, 10 foot body prints matted down. Like you see the, you know, the, when you're out in the forest, you see the, the deer sat and, and nested in an area. Yes. It's that kind of thing. You know, something's been laying there anyway. So one night the uh, guy is, uh, they put motion lights out there and he, uh, the dogs were barking about 11, 12 o'clock at night. I can't remember. And he says, okay, that's it. There's somebody out there. I'm going to go out. And so he gets his uh, phone with a flashlight and he's running out there. As soon as he opens the, the door to the house, he hears this unbelievable screaming and roaring coming from one side of the forest. As he gets closer to the uh, uh, greenhouse, he hears it coming from back behind the greenhouse on the other side of the forest. There's a, a circular road that goes around their house. And so as he gets to the greenhouse he hears screaming coming from inside 
the greenhouse. And that's this guy that was in this book, this photo I just showed you. He got caught in there. And he was a, ah! <laughs> he was a juvenile. And so uh, when he opened the door, it ran by him and they, they brushed up against each other. That Sasquatch turned sideways, ran through the door. My guy turned sideways to try to get out of the way. And it brushed him. They could have kissed. He was facing his, their faces were facing each other. I don't think you could get a closer encounter at that point. <laughs> no, you know, and I've got probably five or six of their photos, not as good as that one of different size heads. Like there's a whole family in there looking out and they're all, but what, that's what they do before they they've eaten their fill. They will look and make sure there's no humans. And then they go out the door. It's hilarious. It's like, there's a sentry, you know? So I, I said, well, this is what you need to do. If you want them to stop that, just tell them to stop. You can have so much, but you need to stop. Cause this is how we make our living. That's how we feed our family. You know, we don't mind helping you feed your family, you know? So the current favorite food, when they first discovered this, the favorite food was uh, strawberries and the tops of radishes, the really green, succulent, leafy uh, tops of radishes. And the, f the stuff they're eating now that they really like is eggplant. <laughs> they love the eggplant. It's kind of funny, but they, they've worked out kind of a truce and they understand our language and they understand what they mean because, you know, uh, they said it nicely and they said it not. Not so nicely. You quit taking our food. You know, we know you like the human food, you know, uh, but and so they they take very little anymore because they understand. Did they leave stuff out it, for them at this point too to try to like make it so that they won't yeah, try to get into the greenhouse? Some, stuff out. some of the stuff that didn't make it to market uh, or it starts to get rotten, you know, uh, tomatoes, they love tomatoes. Uh, and then uh, that other, that other, but anyway, I could go on and on about this, but you know, they, they see them, they watch them working in the yard. Uh, you know, uh, they play with their cats. Uh, it's just, it's a day in the life and the rest of the world, they know nothing about this and they don't share it, you know, and there's nine family liver members living within about a half a mile of each other in this area. Uh, it's in Missouri. I, I won't get more specific than that. And I've met the grandfather and the uncle before I met this family. I just met them a year and a half ago and they are Sasquatch magnets. They have had class A sightings. A couple of them are, are in my published reports where they have seen them face to face and had interactions with them. Anytime I've gone out with them, something always happens because the Sasquatch know they don't, thrill kill. They don't recreational kill. They don't like it when you're just go out to kill a deer to cut off its head. Cause you got a buck and a big rack, stick it on your wall. They don't like, you know, they don't like that. They're trying to teach you to, you know, preserve, take only what you need from nature, food wise, fish, deer, whatever you hunt, you know, just be kind and do not be wasteful. And because that's how they live their life. And, uh, and they've told me that, you know, but I, some of the stuff that's happened with, uh, with the, uh, the grandpas and the uncles, oh my God, the reports are just riveting. It's just incredible. You know, where they're, they're shaking the camper trying to get them out of there. 
and uh, because there's a there's a deer and a hog carcass hanging up in the tree. They're letting them bleed out. And they got the gut piles over there. Well, the gut piles were gone the next morning, and, but they were after the body. And uh, my guy, my the, guy, the uncle of the family ran out of the uh, camper with a, a gun. He said, you get out. You're not taking our kill. This is our fam- This is our family food. This is how we feed our family. You're not going to take it. You're not going to take it. And he's a preacher. And so, you know, he's got all the education as far as the Nephilim and satanic and all that stuff, and which he does not believe that these are the Nephilim or anything of that nature. He believes they are, you know, another creature that belongs on the planet just like we do. And he can't explain it any further than that, but he's, he's seen them and he's had a face-to-face encounter when he was sitting on a deer blind, uh, less than 20 feet away. He looked right up at him, just kind of went <laughs> and just walked off. And my guy, he, he, he wasn't going to shoot him. He knew it. You know, he says, I, and a lot of hunters, when they see him, they say, I, I, I had a, a, a bead on it, but they look too human. I can't, I can't kill it. It looks like I've been killing a man. It's the eyes. And you hear that a lot. I always hear people say it specifically the eyes that they just seem like they, they, ha- they, they're not just like the dead eyes of like just an apex predator type of like animal. Like they have like motion to their eyes. Yeah. No, they're, they, they're, they're, he said, they're so human. Like I, I, I couldn't have done it. You know, if I wanted to, I couldn't do it. I wouldn't because I feel like I'd be killing a human. They're just like an undiscovered human. You know, and so uh, but these are the kind of stories that I get all the time. They're in my books, and it's just it, it's just fascinating, especially the habituation when they're, you know, I got people calling me brand new. I have a lady call me, and she's all excited because the Sasquatch had been building structures all up and down. They have a long drive from their house to the gate that blocks off the road to their house. And they started building these structures along the road so they'd see them. And then they just kind of stopped. And she emailed me here about a month, six weeks ago. And she says, I think they've left because I, I don't see them. They, they built like structures, like a little house, a little hut kind of thing. Is it the like TP uh, kind of structures that everybody everybody takes pictures of? more rounded. The, the one that they built, the, the, the she sent me a picture of it was more rounded. And uh, I asked her if she could get a closer picture. And uh, she sent me a couple, but she said, you know, uh, they're there on the property, but she emailed me and said, I think they've left. I haven't seen or heard from them. And the whole feeling of the forest is different. She said, when every, when they, before they got there, it was kind of bright and sunny. And then when they took over, it get kind of dark in areas because they started putting up structures and arches and then other trees and stuff would fall on. So it darkened some areas that used to be kind of bright and sunny where they used to hang out and go. <laughs> so uh, stuff like that. But she says, I think they've left. And I said, well, your property may have just been a visitation spot uh, where the hunting is better somewhere else, but they felt comfortable staying it in your pr- property. Uh, she's seen shadows, uh, but not a direct sighting, but they're, a uh, couple of skulls were left as this possum skulls were left as a gift in this area where they keep stuff. Oh, here's something really interesting. Uh, they stole, uh, they have problem with these rats, wood rats. I don't know if you have them up there, but they're, they're look, they're about the size of possums. They're nasty things. They're, oh, they're like city rats. I got those up here. <laughs> yeah. Same kind of thing. You know, they're big. They look, they're about the size of possums. 
you know, or close to it. Yeah, like you would see up in New York City, you hear about that stuff all the time. Anyway, uh, they they buy uh, cases of poison uh, because they have a lot of, they grow a lot of vegetables too. And so they're poisoning these rats. One day, all the poison was gone. The boxes had just disappeared off their property. And nobody, nobody breaks into, and just steals rat poison. I mean, you know, and they found it stashed in the forest and we figured out that sasquatch uh, love to eat those wood rats where they just pop the heads off and eat them you know and and skin them sometimes they just eat them whole but that's you know that i've got a story one of my other books of uh, a family that watched them eating rats and they would pull the heads off and eat them this was in uh can't remember where it was that might have been in arkansas it's like them eating a cheese. Anyway, it just got a good crunch it. to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you just pop the head off, you know, and they do the same with rabbits or anything, you know, to kill it instantly and make it a merciful. They just pop the head off. They're dead like that. It's over. And they don't have to mess with it. You know, I've got some really interesting stories about that with a, a habituation family in Washington state. It's incredible stuff. But anyway, you know, that's these people Habituation folks, they're interacting with them weekly, daily, monthly, yearly. Depends on how much the interaction is. You know, sometimes they notice them, sometimes they don't. But they know they're there. They see signs of structures, gifting. They're swapping gifts back and forth, beads, apples, bags of apples, bags of oranges. They love oranges. They love apples. Uh, They like sweet potatoes. But they're gifting. And the gifting is like very complex in, in certain events where they're trading. I said, if you all want to do some really interesting stuff, go to Dollar Tree and buy all the cheap necklaces, buy the little cheap handheld mirrors, little kids toys, like little dolls, little human dolls or little teddy bears and stuff like that. And they are having a ball gifting these things back and forth. Now, my people up in Washington State, and this is in the last book I just showed you, um, she has gotten to the point where she is buying teddy bears that she puts them in bags up on the trees, you know, and hangs them on hooks. They build hooks on there. And the bears, the bags will be switched. They'll be, they'll take one bear and hang it over here and take the one that was over here and hang it over here. And then she goes to look at it the next morning and says, well, they moved them around. Do they take this the bears out and close the bags or do they leave the bears in the bags? Well, I'm getting to that, but this is how this gifting thing started in the beads. You know, they buy these long, you know, the kind of long plastic beads, you know, and <clears throat> they hang them on the trees. And the Sasquatch will take them down off the trees and start looping them over little vines, little bushes, <laughs> making these little kind of designs. And she'll go back out and she'll put them back the way they were. And they'll do it a couple of days later. And she'll see that they've changed them around again. It's just this little back and forth. Her husband does not, did not believe that any of this was going on. He didn't believe her at all. And so uh, he's been a disbeliever. Well, one night 
he finally, and this went on for about three or four years. He thought she was just nuts. You're imagining this, you know, he was gone away at work a lot and he, he thought she was freaking out because he was, she was, you know, home alone. Uh, so he had knee replacement surgery. So he was sitting in the living room about three o'clock in the morning. He didn't want to take his pain pills because he didn't like the feeling. So he was just trying to watch TV and get sleepy. So he'd go back to sleep. He's watching TV and right behind him is the big picture window and something tripped the motion light. Light went on. He sees a Sasquatch walk across his front yard, right in front of the window. I know that being that Sasquatch knew he was sitting in there staring out that window. And that was the first time he said, I can't argue. I, I, I saw it. <laughs> I can't believe you. I've been calling you a nut all these times and I saw it. And so now he's a believer, but here's where it gets really good. She's been interacting with him with them much longer than he has. They have materialized outside her windows. He snores a lot. So sometimes she'll go sleep in the office window where there's a bed in the office, but there's also a computer and all that. She does a lot of computer work in there. So she'll sleep in there. One night she wakes up, couldn't sleep, whatever. She just got up and she sees the Sasquatch outside her window looking in. It comes through the window into the bedroom, comes right through the window like it wasn't even there. And she's looking at it and it's looking at her and she's just going, you know, rubber, but a little, what? <laughs> you know, am I really seeing it? And I got to still be sleeping. <laughs> several times. Yeah, this happened to her several times. Now back to the teddy bears. <clears throat> One night she wakes up again, still in that same room because he snores, and she sees this mother Sasquatch holding a baby, but it's it's fully haired. It's it's got hair probably six, seven years old. I mean, I, who knows how to guess, but you know, it, it was covered with hair. So it wasn't like the infant that my other family had seen. And so it had the teddy bears still in the bags. It was holding it. And it was just kind of trying to play with them and look at them. It was just being a kid, just being a baby, you know? And she was going, Oh my God, that's, that's beautiful. And she went back out the next day and the bears were back up, but hung in the reverse way that she left them up there. <clears throat> Her husband saw one manifest in his bedroom. And it was, he saw this mist kind of thing. He woke up in the middle of the night. He saw this kind of a mist cloud thing in the bedroom and there's just enough ambient light to he's going, what am I seeing? What am I seeing? And suddenly the Sasquatch comes out of this mist. It's at the foot of the bed and it's kind of, it's kind of floating. And he said, I could really only see it from the waist up. I don't know if it was like Aladdin, the genie or something where it, you know, it come out of a, a cause it seemed to have tapered down. And it was just floating. I wonder if that's part of the telekinetic abilities. Like, I wonder if it's like, yeah. is able to like project that. And it's not that it's going into like a 
apparition form, but rather they're like projecting themselves into certain areas. Yeah. Good point. Uh, you know, I, I don't have an answer to it. He denied that he saw it said, I don't believe that I must've been having a bad dream because I don't believe they can do that. He, he's good with the flesh and blood part, but that kind of the paranormal quantum type thing. Nah, that, that can't be. That brings in a whole other state of fear. If uh, it's not just something that you can lock your doors and keep out, if it's something that can come through walls, that brings in a whole other heightened sense of fear when you had a trouble even trying to acknowledge the fact that it could be something that is out there in the first place. Yeah. And so, you know, so what do you do with that? You know, but he, he, uh, when I, their names in the books are changed. And when he realized that she was doing the book with me, uh, or going to be in the book, she's just part of it. Uh, he was going, and I said, I obfuscate your names. Your names are changed. Here's the, and, and the exact location of the property is changed. And there's some interactions with uh, the lumber companies up there that she has had. And they know that the lumber companies know, and they do things about it when they want to get rid of them. And so she accidentally fell into some information on that stuff, which I haven't shared because I told her I wouldn't, but they, it's some good stuff. She was reading documents. Is it like, a, obviously you don't want to give too much away because she, uh, she said not to say anything, but is it like, um, like they tried to just kind of push him out of the area or do they try to actually like, kill them off in the area just out of curiosity it was an insinuation they were going to take care of the problem and when you have that vague dialogue that means the mobster take care of the problem any, kind of concept by any means necessary you know and so i can't get into the documents but there was pretty interesting i mean she was she took notes and they discovered that they had given the wrong person the documents and they came back and ushered her ushered her out of this room. She was at the governor's mansion or governor's office because there was a bunch of people protesting that they were going to build a road through part of their land because they didn't want to make a 20 mile detour to go around this river. And they said, no, you're not. Well, we'll just we'll just take the land. It's imminent. I mean, we need it. It's no, no, you will not. And something. This is why they were going to do this because they've been trying to build a bridge. And when they got to the certain point, the bridge would be destroyed. The pylons would be knocked over. They would damage the equipment. And. They said, well, we have to go around because they wanted to go straight through the forest, which was where the Sasquatch live. And they were not going to let them do it because they had to go over this river. And they said, no, we don't want that. And so they were stopping them at every time it happened. They were stopping. They were destroying their work. So they couldn't build the bridge. They could not finish the bridge. So that's when they decided they wanted to uh, uh, commandeer part of their land to build the bridge on just enough to get the bridge on there so they didn't have to go through the forest. They could go around it and they wouldn't let them do it. The, the, the people, the people that lived in the neighborhoods, no, you're not going to do that. No, you're not taking our land. And they won, but the people won. Whatever happened, how they, yeah, 
Oh, okay, like, awesome. You can't do it. They just told him there, but you know, you can't claim eminent domain for something like that for whatever reason. That legally, it was headed off, and it never happened. But she accidentally saw some of the documents that insinuated they pretty much said it was the Sasquatch doing this. Huh. They didn't want to use. They didn't want to put that in writing. They didn't want to put that name there. But it came up a couple of times that you know the being. You know, the beings, the giants are destroying our work. So we can't complete this bridge. Anyway, so, but here is something that's really cool. Now, they have an adult son living with them. He's 50, 49, 50, 51. He's autistic. And so he takes care of the house. He does a lot of the farming. He takes care of the outside of the house. And uh, <clears throat> they had... Uh, plum trees, fig trees, and some other really nice, beautiful fruit producing trees. And suddenly all the trees are being stripped of all the fruit. You know, first it was the, from the top to about the middle and then all the rest of it. Uh, there was none on the ground. There was no way that all of these just disappeared overnight, but they did. It was squirrels. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, big squirrels. Big squirrels. Know, ten foot, ten foot tall squirrels. So they knew what was going on, and she had a hissy fit. She screamed bloody murder. Said, "You guys stop this! I tell you what, you can take the stuff from the top, from the middle of the tree to the top, and but you leave the rest alone. This is our food. We eat this food. This is how we feed our family. You want to feed your family? We'll make a deal. You." can take part of it. And it was the same with uh, the corn and uh, what else do they have here? Cucumbers, uh, I think broccoli, cauliflower. They made it, you could take this, but not that. And she was screaming bloody murder. And the next day, they have a pond. It's one of those like a you know, little koi pond, those things you can buy at Lowe's or Home Depot. You know, they look like kind of kidney shaped. You know, it's a little koi pond. You can they're three or four feet wide and a couple of feet deep. And you buy a little motor with a, a little pump that pumps water. and keeps it fresh in circulation. So um, her son has a little area by, by the garden where he kind of keeps that nice and clean. And they, you know, they don't keep fish in it, but it's just a, a place for water. You know, if they need extra water, they don't have mm. to pump it over there. They just, you know, anyway, the next morning there's a rabbit that's been gutted and the head's been torn off. It's all washed and beautiful and pristine. It's, it's in the koi pond. How the hell did that get there? It was a so hawk, right? <laughs> it was a peace offering. We're sorry. I mean, th that's what it was. It was like, we're sorry. Here's a rabbit <laughs> to say we're sorry. Two days later, uh, there's a six inch perch in the koi pond. They're not anywhere near a river, a pond or anything. Was it alive? Yes. It was <laughs> swimming around and her son shows it to him and he's going and the husband and this was before the husband had seen the Sasquatch. He was still in total denial mode. He says, 
I don't know where that came from. It must have been one of the herons flying over from the, the coast, and they dropped the fish, and it fell through all the trees into the pond. Okay, so this heron, and they eat fish. They don't carry them around in their beaks. you know. But it had to have fallen through all the trees, all the way down where this koi pond is under the trees. It, she says, so this perch fell down 100 feet or more from a heron flying, and it happened to just land in this pond. That's like a one in really? over a million chance. If there's no water anywhere yeah. and it just happens and to so land in this she, small four-foot area. His, yeah. And she, she busted his butt. like She's going, oh, really? Serious? No. That was another gift. They were apologizing. This is the kind of dynamic that these people are having the habituation type situations. It, it's just, it's fascinating. And she doesn't really, she's got this gifting thing going. It's the best I've ever seen or heard of. She is so into it. You know, she's a, she spent a small fortune at Dollar Tree. She goes, I wish you never told me about that place. <laughs> I never would have walked into one of those places, but you know, I got to say they got pretty much everything you need as far as this kind of stuff goes. And so this is constantly going on. And she's sending me, I've got, you know, probably a thousand photos and she has sent me a small telephone book size, you know, a eight and a half by 11 postal box full of eight by 10 photos. And she spent a considerable amount of money develop, developing these pictures and showing the complexity of the uh, gifting in the beads, how they tie them in knots and hang them back up. She'll take them down and untie them and put them in a different tree. She'll they'll move them back a day or two later and tie them in an even more complex knot. It's just, it's just, it's it's a case study. If I could move out there and sit there for three months, six months, it'd be a fascinating case study. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Also, they have <clears throat> orbs all over the place. She sends me photos of these uh, you ever heard of rods? Yeah, 
Yeah, the the little like different size things that people will see flying through like camera yeah, angles the, and stuff the, the and certain things. Cork, yeah, the kind of corkscrewy flying through the woods. They have uh, trail cameras all over the place, and she picks them. She picks these up, and these things come out at night, and they're they're flying. These things that at first they look like sun flares, but you know, <coughs> excuse me, send me some photos where you're not looking into the sun, even through the trees, send me photos of these sun flares where your camera is not pointing into the sun. And she sent me some, and there's these green and blue flare, like just sunspot looking things just flying around. Even Ron Moorhead's reported those in that main area that he goes to in uh, Yosemite where he was recording the Sierra sounds. He's even have, even has recordings with uh, these rod type things being around Sasquatch. Yeah. 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 And I've seen them, you know, and some of my other habituation families here in the, you know, the central part of the, the country have seen the same thing. They've seen UFOs. What do you think uh, personally is like the connection with Sasquatch and rods, if there is any, or maybe it's just stuff that exists in the same area. Like what, what's kind of your theory on it? Well, you know, orbs used to be the domain of ghost hunting only in spirits. You only saw or heard about orbs through ghost hunting. Well, Blue Orb came in through Grandma's closet where she used to hang all her favorite clothes and figured that was Grandma's spirit coming back to visit, you know. <clears throat> they would every night, you know, so that kind of thing. But now, they're seeing orbs there at the house. And a couple of times when these Sasquatch have manifested themselves, they have seen blue orbs and, you know, in theory, the orb is whether it's the dead or whatever beings are using them, you, you, you have to get down into a kind of tight compacted form to be able to maybe traverse into different dimensions or portals. And then once you get to where you're going, you can manifest yourself back into your full size and your full glory. <coughs> so, they see them there, and several times she's seen these orbs manifest themselves into a Sasquatch. And then when they're ready to leave the house or outside the window, which is the favorite place for them to show and tell themselves, they will disappear back into the orb, and then they'll flit off so they can go back to whatever dimension. Uh, so I hear this from enough people. I have not seen that myself. My wife has seen it. That's a killer story. And so, you know, my wife was, she had a hard time with this at first, but once I took her to one of my research areas here in Missouri, she saw them messing with my mind like crazy. And I, she was right there with me. And I was seeing something that was not there. And she, it wasn't there. She was looking. I would show her, look, look at that. She goes, what are you talking about? So I believe that that is how they can, you know, they may not, they may travel different ways, but that is one of the ways because you get your energy in a compact level and you can get through these black holes or, 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 or um, you know, the, the uh, wormholes or the portals easier in a compact highly concentrated form of energy. 
I mean, you hear about like the Philadelphia experiment where like when they try to go through like a portal, for example, everybody kind of got like converged into the ship and stuff. I wonder if when they if they transform into something like that, it makes it so they don't have that physical form. Then they also don't have to worry about like theoretically warping into something at the same time, too. Yeah, that, that's as good a theory as anybody. Look, let me let me tell you uh, on this book here. <coughs> Excuse my cough. Oh, no, you're, is that uh, b- book one or two? That's book two, right? That's two. Yep. That's got the rocks. This was in Michigan. Uh, excuse me, Michigan. You got me on Michigan. You know, you <laughs> tell me you live in I keep getting excited every time you say it, too. <laughs> no, it's, it's Illinois. So I led the uh, expedition. I'm, seg- I'm segueing into another orb story, which kind of puts a period at the end of the sentence on this topic, as far as I'm concerned. So I led this expedition. I wasn't, I wasn't even going to lead an expedition. I was done with BFRO and leading expeditions with them, but I'm still a member. And so they had an expedition lined up and there was, I don't know, 15 people or so going. And suddenly the guy who was organizing it, the guy with BFRO in Illinois, couldn't do it. Family emergency, health, something. He couldn't do it. So they refunded all the money except for four people. And these four people were adamant. We want to go on our expedition. We pay the money. You got our money. We don't want to cancel. We want to go. So the BFRO emailed a you know, bla- a blast of all the investigators in the neighborhood. Anybody want to do this expedition in Illinois? I hadn't done one in about three or four years. I think, you know, I've got a very good friend, Harold. Uh, who lives in Illinois. And he's, he's my squatching partner there in Illinois when I go. So I said, okay, I'll do it. How many people do you got? And well, four, but they're adamant. And so. Smaller the group, the better the experience possibility. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we went and did it and Harold went with us. And so we, I, I, when I went to town in uh, Murfreesboro, I was scouting around and uh, went to the, if you want to get, find out what's going on, you go to a little mom and pop restaurant, you know, you go to the, the place where everybody in town goes for breakfast, you know? So I went to this little cafe run by two women. <coughs> and so I'm in there eating breakfast and I'm kind of walking around and kind of looking for some people, you know, all the farm. Farmers, all the bib overalls kind of looking at you like, well, it's a city slicker. He ain't from here, you know, but you know, all the eyes are on you. It's just like in the old West, you walk into a saloon and everybody turns around and looks at you. You ain't from around here, are you boy? One of those awkward things, you know, but they're just, you know, they're not being mean or rude. They're just like, well, it's a stranger among us and they don't, they don't trust outsiders. Anyway, I start talking to a couple of folks and I tell them what I'm there for. So I'm leading an expedition. And we want to go uh, see if we can see or find some Sasquatch or traces of them. Got to do a walk around the parking lot and see if anybody has a little sticker on the back of their car. That's what I do a lot of the time when I go places. (laughs) Yeah. So everybody to a person said, well, I know where you don't want to go. And they told me about this area, this area here, you don't want to go anywhere near that at night. There's not a person in this cafe. There's not a person in this town that will go there at night. Weird stuff happens there. There's something wrong with that place. Nobody will go there. You don't want to go there. I said, 
that's where I'm going. Perfect. Because you tell me, <laughs> you know, that's what I that's what I want to hear. Well, the place they told me was the Trail of Tears. You're familiar with the Trail of Tears? Oh yeah, actually, I have. I'm from Cherokee descent, so I'm I'm fully aware of Trail of Tears. Okay, gotcha. So you're familiar with all that. Well, this went right through Illinois on the death march to Arizona and New Mexico and all points west. But where this place was, was just about a mile from the Mississippi River. And so uh, 94 Native Americans died in this one little area uh, because they froze to death. And they were just, they couldn't get to the uh, people that were waiting to help them. You know, there, there's, you know, white men were, were helping them. And th- about every 30 or 40 miles, there'd be help groups that they would hook up with the Native Americans. They knew they were coming and they would give them fresh supplies, food and clothing and whatever, medicine if they needed it. So they were trying to meet up with this group that was going to get them across the Mississippi. <clears throat> well, 94 of them froze to death and died. It was really sad and tragic, but this happened to be the area. So I leave the group. We go out there and we camped in another area about 12 miles away. And it's the Trail of Tears National Park. And then there's this area. And so we uh, found and cast about a half a dozen really nice footprints, uh, found some excellent structures. I mean, fantastic stick structures on, uh, near, uh, on the camping where we camped incredible very complex stuff really cool stuff so there was a lot these people were overjoyed they were you know finally getting to do this you know and so we decided to go down this uh area at the trail of tears it was about about 100 yards 75 to 100 yards but it was straight down jagged rocks very uneven terrain harold had had a couple of strokes cancer physically unable to make that kind of trek. His legs weren't working well. Really nice guy, smart guy, but he just physically couldn't do it. So we went there at night. He stayed in his truck and I took them down this ravine and we could not get the Sasquatch to interact with us, but you heard them, you felt them, you you could hear them running around and, walking through the forest and they were following us. They were about 25 feet up on top of us because we're in this really deep ravine. You could hear them and they were looking down at us. You could, you could feel that they were there. So they were watching us, Uh, but we couldn't get them to interact. We'd hear, they'd be throwing little uh, twigs and sticks, little bitty rocks at us, you know, but they would not make a vocal. They would not do anything, but we knew they were there. You just, everybody knew it. They're trying to get you to leave without making it obvious that they were there kind of a thing because they probably knew what you guys were there for. So they're just trying to get you out without being obvious that they are there. Yeah, yeah. In essence, that's correct. And so we got to this, that log I showed you, that was at the bottom of this ravine. And it went much, much further on than that. We later walked it uh, a year or so later. But that's another story. Anyway, we stopped at this log because it, uh, it, it blocked the path and the people were getting a little creeped out because they knew they were being watched. Their spidey senses, their hair on their neck was, they were creeped out. And I, I felt it, you know, 
but I'm used to that. So I said, well, they're here. They're just watching this because nobody ever goes down to that area. Well, what are these people doing down here? What the heck are they doing here? Nobody comes down here. Is it stupid humans? What are you doing down here? Don't you know you're supposed to be afraid of this place? Anyway, we went back to camp and, you know, Harold was in his truck. So we went back to the parking lot. We all followed each other back to camp. Uh, so the next day, which was a Saturday, I went back down there, uh, because that was the first day of hunting season. And so you heard gunfire. There was about a half a dozen hunters up in high up in the trees in stands hunting. So I already knew that it was going to be a dead end that night because there was, you know, gunfire and hunting and the you know, Sasquatch are running for the hills, you know? So, but we went back down there anyway, cause they wanted to go and it was very cool. And we, we picked up our casts. We, we left them covered, let them air dry and everything. And so we got our casts and prints and went down there. I said, I told them, you know, this is the first day of hunting season. I guarantee you, we're not going to have any activity. If we do, I'll be shocked. And we didn't, but they went down there and they, we still had some sense of, being watched, but knows it anywhere near what it was. So anyway, we leave and go home. Everybody's happy. And so I, I called Harold and by that, this was 2020. Uh, and that's when I started writing my books when COVID hit. Well, we decided to, I said, Harold, you know, I really like that area that had this an incredible feel to it. And so I want to go back down there. And he goes, that's a good idea. I'd love to, you know, I'd love to see you again. And just, just come on, let's just go. So I, I can only come down for a day. I want to come down overnight. Just we'll go camp at our old spot back there. And I want to see if it still had the magic. Cause I want to come back down there with uh, my squashing partner from here in Kansas city. And then he's got a buddy who's also a friend of mine uh, up in Illinois. Uh, he's a fireman. So he and I went and we agreed it still had a really cool vibe. And so, okay, well, we're going to come back. I'll tell you what I want to do, because I was going back to Kansas City the next morning. It was literally one day because COVID was there. There was nowhere to go. There's nowhere to eat or anything because everything was shut down. COVID was had crippled the country. You know how it was. Mm-hmm. So we go back to our campsite. I said, well, I'm going to, uh, before we go, I want to leave a camera down here by this log, which is our stopping point. And he, again, could not make the trek all the way. He stayed in the parking lot. He walked down part of the way. He said, I, I just can't do it. So said, that's fine. I'll be right back. I'm just going down and put a trail camera down, you know, and they're probably watching me put it up. But if I don't put one, I'll never get a photo. If I do put a camera there, I might get something accidental. Anyway, I'm going down there and put a trail camera at the end of the log on the ground, kind of looking up, <clears throat> not obvious, but it is there. So we go back to our camp, spend the night, uneventful, just two guys eating and drinking, sitting around a campfire. It's good day, you know, good, good fun stuff, you know? So I get up in the morning, I'm on my way back to Kansas city. I go back down there to get my camera. And that is when I find that log with six rocks on it. That pointy rock is me, the leader. The four rocks behind it are the four expedition people. The rock at the other end, the short round 
kind of fat rock is Harold, who was there, but he wasn't there. That's why he's separated from the rest of the group. They're paying attention. And every time I tell the story, I get kind of teary-eyed. So if I do, sorry. But it, it, it was a, a cathartic and seminal moment for me because I made contact. Mm-hmm. They were contacting me. They were saying, I know who you are. We saw you. We're going to memorialize this. But here's rocks. You're the leader, the four people behind, and there's Harold at the other end. And I was looking at it. At first, I didn't get it. I was going, well, there's nobody out here. Because, you know, it was October. It was exactly a year to the day of the expedition the year before. And so it's uh, it's October. And by 5, 530, it's getting dark, especially in that part of the forest. <clears throat> and so, and there's nobody out. We didn't, we never saw anybody there during the day or night because of COVID. There's just nobody coming out, nobody visiting. The country was paralyzed with fear. So I'm looking at it and I'm going, who did this? This there's nobody out. We left and they would have had to come here in the dark during COVID to put rocks here. And sometimes, you know, the environmentalists and the forest lovers, they'll go stack rocks or make little, you know, gifts that you stacking rocks is a, a kind of a thing that people do. I said, there wasn't anybody. I, I, I suddenly went, Holy crap. they they're talking to me. They're, they're making contact with me. I'm, I'm, I'm freaking. And I'm, I'm just like out of my skin. I finally figured out what it is. And so I call my wife. I'm going, you won't believe this. You know, I would tell her the whole story. She goes, well, that's awesome. But what, what time was this? I said, I, I don't know, but it had to have been after five or six because it, you know, it gets dark after that. Nobody's out there hiking at night, especially it's a forbidden area. Mm-hmm. She goes, well, here's something you'll probably like. She said, I was getting ready for bed about 8.30, 9 o'clock, and a blue orb comes into our bedroom, makes a couple of circles, flies into the bathroom, and disappears. She's watching this. She not only sees the orb physically, like flying right by her, but it's also reflected in the mirror on our dresser. And she saw it. It flew right by her twice, right in front of her. She said, it was about the size of a golf ball. But it flew around twice, and she saw the reflection. There's no, there's no cars that can shine a lot. We live on an acre, and you just can't. No, no street is right by our our bedroom window, so there's, it wasn't a car. Let alone fly around like that, be seen in a reflection, go in the bathroom, and then disappear. Like if it was a car one, it would have just yeah. went in a straight line across and disappeared. Yeah, yeah, it, it is what it is. They were saying. You're one of the cool kids. We know where you live. It just, it makes me, I'm tearing up right now talking to you because it's just like, oh my God, they're communicating. They're letting me know we saw you, we understand you, and you're one of the, you're, you're, you're in the band. You're in the band, you know. <laughs> it almost makes you so, wonder if they communicate amongst each other too. So it's like, uh, you know, they ones that ha- you've gone out and researched their area before they communicate with the other ones and they've all kind of intercommunicated and seen that like you've been around in their different areas. You've respected their areas. Like I'm curious if they communicate with each other like that too. I'm sure they do. And here's how I know that's true. So, uh, 
from that day, 2020 until now, we've had weird things going on in our house. And I've started a, a word document, strangeness in our home. I outlined all the bizarre things that have happened in our house since that. My wife and I, we don't sleep very well. We meditate before we go to, to bed. We, we have to listen to calming, you know, meditation. Sometimes it's spoken word. Sometimes it's, you know, uh, just tones, you know, uh, the, the certain megahertz, you know, the, 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 the soothing tones, uh, Tibetan bells, things like that. We just listen to calming things. As you get into that uh, area of sleep, right before you fall asleep i have seen probably half a dozen times they are communicating they will show me visions of where they live and i i, I will see this and i'm going through this forest like this i feel i i'm, I'm moving but i'm going at a certain speed but the landscape going by me is like, it's hauling ass. It's just flying by me. Well, that's the difference in their, their uh, uh, perception of time and space. You know, if you ever heard descriptions of how they walk, it's very bizarre. And it, that's a whole other world right there. But anyway, I, I'm going down this. And as it's like a ravine, it, it looks just like their area, but it also looks like a research area I have here in Missouri. It's almost identical. It's about 75 to 100 yards down to the bottom. Very jagged and rocky. You can't drive any kind, even uh, four wheelers. You can't even get them down there uh, because it's very treacherous, very, you know, treacherous. Anyway, I'm going through this forest and I'll see a face or two and then I'll, I'll see them. And, I, and then I'll, I say, where is this? This looks like my research area, but it, it doesn't look exactly the same. It, it sort of looks like it, but it sort of doesn't. And, and, and what they say in my head, home, this is home. That's all they said. And I see little juvenile Sasquatches poking sticks in the ground, just like a little human kid, poking sticks in the ground, looking up, digging up insects and mice, and, you know, eating them. And they're just, they're playing. They're just, you know, farting around. And there's two or three others, you know, one of them's laying by a log, one sitting on a log. There's, you know, a couple of them walking around. I mean, I'm, it's just like a day in the life. I'm shown this. And that's happened to me about a half a dozen times. Oh, wow. It's just, you know, but they, they, told me in my head and see you, you tell that to a dumb ape only guy <laughs> you know i mean you you get you know uh, you can hear the owl rolls already you know uh but a lot of people in my line of work that are in the same belief system they go oh yeah that happens all the time they come to me and talk to me i've got some guys up in canada uh the pork and bean show they interact with them spiritually and emotionally pretty much whenever they want they have certain areas they can go because they love in canada and it's amazing the things you gotta listen to one of their shows once uh, pork and beans uh 
Brian Bland and Michael uh, are really, they're ahead of everybody else in this particular field of research. That's incredible. But so, do you think I'm a nut? Oh, definitely oh, not. Wow. <laughs> you see what I mean? So, so if, I, if a, a sane, rational person, of course, I was an old hippie drummer for 20 years, you know, I was a rock and roll guy. But, you know, other than that, I'm perfectly sane. So, you know, when, so when you hear that from a sane person, not just me, but like if you're talking to your neighbor next door, if you're researching this stuff and they tell you that, what do you do with that? I mean, that's real stuff happening to me. And my wife saw the orb here in our house. I've asked them several times, well, show me an orb again. They haven't done it. That's some of that stuff, too, that people will report Sasquatch encounters, but they'll leave out all the weird stuff like that, not thinking it's necessarily related, or they might just think it's just their mind playing tricks on them or something. But I wonder how many Sasquatch reports there are where people have experienced other stuff like this. And again, they just leave it out because they don't think that has anything to do with it. Like, I've heard a lot of researchers, oh, wow. they'll say stuff like, and what else happened? And what else happened? And what else happened? Even when they're done with their encounter story, um, just to see what other kind of weird stuff might jumble up. Like, oh, yeah, I it was kind of weird right before that happened. We saw this like green orb that flew past us, but I didn't think anything of it, you know? Yeah. Well, th that's true. It's exactly, that's correct. But you know, in, in here is, uh, my wife being involved with that. And she's, she got to see it and I didn't, but I got to see the rocks and she didn't, you know? Uh, but here's one other event that shows what they can do. And so I think it, I think it might be in this book. I can't remember if I put it in there. It's in one of the books. Uh, my research area here in Missouri, it's the same as the area in uh, Illinois in that it's treacherous. You can't get down there in any kind of vehicle. At this research area, uh, it is a conservation area. And they have 50 to 55 food plots. But a food plot is where, in this conservation area, they have certain areas where they have feeding stations, where they feed every animal or insect they can possibly think of that are native to that area in the food chain. They feed them. They make whatever they would need. Like they grow certain flowers for the bees you know, that so they can get honey or make honey and get the pollen and, you know, and, you know, uh, habitat for caterpillars or they can, you know, morph into, uh, you know, uh, butterflies, <coughs> the whole thing, uh, deer, uh, salt licks for deer, everything is there. You can't hunt in these areas and they're not big. They're usually an acre or less. It's more meant for conservation than anything. Be, yeah. It's just for let these animals come in here and get, in a safe place and take what they need and then go out into the forest and live their lives. So, uh, I found this area in full circle here. This area is how I met the uncle and grandfather of that family. I was telling you about where that Sasquatch is putting his face up on the screen. And this is where he had his class A sighting. And this is also where I watched a Sasquatch disappear on thermal camera when I was le uh, leading an expedition for BFRO. 
And so that, when I first started, I was with an ape-only crowd. And so I started seeing and hearing things from other people and myself that told me, yeah, I don't know about this dumb ape thing. I just, I'm not, uh, I, you know, I had doubts. You know, I was seeing the experience of things that were like, you know, there's something going on here. But I kept to myself because, you know, I was outnumbered and I had no proof, so to speak. Anyway, so I seen one disappear on a thermal camera one night while I was leading an expedition. But that area became my research area. So uh, later on, so my wife went with me uh, one. I said, let's just go camp into one of my areas. You like it. She's an old Nebraska girl. She's a farm girl. She has no problem, you know, popping a head off a chicken and feathering it and gutting it and cooking it on a fire, or, you know, popping a squash. She's got to go to the bathroom. She's not all pretty. She's not a girly girl, you know. So I said, she saw some of my photos and evidence and videos and stuff I have on my desk one day. And she made a comment. She was kind of kidding mostly, but she said, well, I'm glad you have a little ho a hobby, honey. So you, you got something to do with yourself. And I said, well, you know, don't, don't do that. Don't patronize me. You know, I, you know, I, I do take this seriously. Oh, I know. I know. I'm just kidding. I said, well, I'll tell you what, let's go to one of my research areas. You'll like it down there. It's real nice. It's pretty. It's, you know, beautiful time of year. And it was October-ish. So she said, okay, I'll go. What the heck? I've never done it. Let's go. So I take her and this one area, this ravine I'm taking her down. If you, you went all the way down to the ravine and you turned to the right, that's where I saw the one disappear on my thermal one night when I'm watching it. So that I instantly was drawn to this area where they, they live. This is their living room. They live in this area right here so i they have this ravine blocked off of the, the big steel gate you cannot drive because they got too many calls i talked to a couple of conservation guys they got too many calls rescuing people because they're trying to take their four-wheelers and atvs down there and they were getting cut up and the tires torn up or just wrecked on the rocks it was, it's just really rough it's not meant for all-terrain vehicles even though a lot of guys think, think they are anyway we get there about 11 o'clock at night I back my SUV up to the gate because you can't, you can't drive. So I back it up and we get out and we're walking down. We get about, I don't know, 50 feet down and she's already going. I don't like it. I don't like it here. I'm creeped out. There's something wrong here. There's something I said, this is their living room. This is where they live. So you're just getting the heebie-jeebies. Your hair was, you know, standing up, and she was freaked out. You know that that whatever I can't remember what the term is. Several terms for it, but the, the heebie-jeebies. You, your your spidey senses. You you know you're in the presence of something else. Sixth sense. Yeah, and so the more we go down, she's going, uh, uh, no, I'm done. I'm done. I'm going back to the car. You you just keep doing your thing, but you go back to the car. I says, well, you're not going back because I got the keys. <laughs> so we're here. Nothing has happened to you. I've been here a dozen times and nothing's ever happened to me. It's not going to happen. You're just sensing what I'm sensing. And I know they're here. This is their living room. And so uh, she goes, give me the keys. I'm going back to the car. No, you're not going back to the car because you'll be in the dark. We only got one flashlight. I'm not walking you back. We're going to look. The car's right up there. And I shine my light at the gate. My car is not there. 
I'm going, where's my car? And she's going, what do you mean, where's your car? You just shine the light on it. I said, no, look, the car's not there. It's gone in my eyes. And she's looking, it's the car's right there. You just showed it to me, shine the light. And so for some reason, I just I shined it down to where I was going just to see, well, did I get turned around or something? I wasn't, you know, smoking or drinking or doing anything. I'm just, maybe I got turned around somehow. I mean, it's just weird. So I shined the light down at the bottom of the ravine. There's my car backed in to the bottom of the ravine. How'd my car get down there? That's not where we came from. And she's looking at it. I'm shining the light and there's my car. What are you looking at? There's nothing there. My car's not there. I'm seeing it. And so I shot it back up to where it should have been. I said, there, it's gone. How did it get there? What What the hell's going on? This went back, excuse me, back and forth four or five times. And each time she's going, are you jacking with me? What the hell are you doing? I said, where, how did my car get down there? And she's going, you are freaking nuts. <laughs> and so I shine my light back up to where the car should have been. And there it was behind the gate. I shined it back down where it was, where it shouldn't have been. And it wasn't there. Um, <laughs> and I went, wait a minute. You guys are messing with me. I knew exactly. I didn't, I didn't catch it right at first, but I said, you guys are messing with me. Because I came here to show my wife that this area was a real thing and the things I see and feel and hear that I can't bring home with me, you know, in photographic or evidential form mm -hmm. are real. And she's going, I, be I, I believe you. <laughs> she was like, <laughs> she was freaking out, you know, and I'm getting teary eyed over this one because it's one of those other aha moments in your life where you're going, Oh my God. And this was before the, Expedition, that was like five years, six years before the expedition in Illinois where I got the rocks left for me. And so mental telepathy, they made me see something that could not have been, but I saw it anyway. <laughs> she was watching me freaking out. And, you know, it, it's it's funny now, but she was just like, you're, you're freaking nuts. That's not the exact words, but you know what I mean? And so it was one of those, <laughs> one of those the, the words are much more colorful. You know, like, oh, this is, you know, public radio here. So anyway, th that was like, if I didn't go a hundred percent over to the dark side where I'm at now, when I saw that one disappear in that very spot down at the bottom of the ravine, when I was leading that expedition, <clears throat> this sure as heck sealed the deal. And then the rocks and the orb, I mean, and it's just little subtle shoulder taps, you know, just little things. Some of them are big, but, you know, little things that if you're not paying attention, you'll completely blow off. It almost makes you but wonder if they showed you that on purpose see? so that you, uh, would know that maybe they're one of their ways of being able to hide themselves is that they literally will like block you off from seeing them. And they might be standing like right in front of you. There might be a family that you're walking down a trail. There's four of them standing right there and they just mentally block you off or they're just standing there and you're don't even, you're don't even yeah. realize it. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. And in this book, the one with the, uh, the hand uh, photo and the, uh, 
the hunter, who's actually the preacher, the town preacher. That's the same thing. He has seen things that defy logic. And he's told me those stories. And one of them is in the book. And uh, it's just like you saw, but he saw uh, animals that could not exist. You know, he he watched a, a deer morph into a Sasquatch. Uh, he then saw a moose walk into this area with razor sharp, jagged teeth. You know, just, and that, that's a whole other story. But yeah, they can project. So, you know, an infrasound is another thing. And that's, that's something that many, many animals in the animal kingdom use. You know, lions, tigers, elephants, uh, dolphins, whales. A lot of animals use infrasound to communicate with each other, find out where they're at, and they can find where they're going, too. You have know, a bouncing infrasound off of great distances and seeing how long it takes to get back. Well, that's where we need to go because it took me... It took 40 minutes, so it's 40 minutes this direction to get where we're going. So they use infrasound. But, you know, Sasquatch use infrasound to uh, confuse the deer. And, uh, it, it, you know, infrasound is a, a tone. It's above and below the human range of hearing. And so, but they can use that to disorient animals. And uh, if you've ever been hunting or heard hunting stories where they'll see, hunters will see deer running amok in the uh, open field. They're, trying, like, they're walking around, running around everywhere. They don't know where they're going. They're totally confused. Chances are that's where the Sasquatch is in the area hunting and they use infrasound to confuse them and throw them off. And they can chase them right into the waiting arms of another Sasquatch where they snap their back legs, bust the neck, and then dinner is served. You know, that's, that's how they take them down. Have you ever heard of uh, the death walls? I've heard of a few people talk about that where they'll like take a bunch of like, uh, like fallen trees, a uh, bunch of bushels of things, and they'll create like a, like a wall going into the side of the forest. And then they'll try to like get deer to kind of run towards it. And then they'll start following the wall. And then there'll be a Sasquatch hiding at the end of the wall. Have you ever, have you ever seen anything or heard anything about that? I've heard anything like that. Uh, here we call it funneling where they will get trees and, and stuff and tear trees and bring them into this path in natural animal trails. And they'll get them to where the animals have to kind of walk this certain area and with it's called funneling, but it's kind of like what you're talking about. It's just, it's just an artificial creation to get them to follow a certain way. And then they're waiting for them at the other end. And, uh, you know, Sasquatch will chase them down there. Then there's another one at the other end waiting for them. And then boom, it's over. Mm-hmm. Dinner is served again. You know? So yeah, I, I've heard of something similar that I haven't heard to call that, but yeah, it's the same uh, process of hunting and stuff like that. So, it's one of those things that I've kind of heard people talk about scattered. So I don't know if there's like a set term for it yet. I've heard a couple different variations of it, but for whatever reason, the one that stuck in my mind was somebody called it a death wall at one point. Yeah. Uh, here they call it funneling. And that's a pretty common tactic uh, to uh, get you to follow a certain path. And at the other end, uh, you know, it's like those uh, fish, uh, Traps are trying to triangular, and you get a fish in there. They'll, they'll float in from one end, and they realize they get to the end, they can't get out because it's closed off. They turn around and go try to go back out the way, but there's sticks coming down that are pointing the way they were going in. But when they try to go out, they are stopped and they can't get out. They can't figure out how to get rid of this, get out of this little trap. Same kind of theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
But all of this I we've been talking about, it's real stuff. It's all happening to my witnesses, my habituation people. It's happened to me, you know. And my wife was there for two of those events. And uh, she's a believer. I mean, she, she believes me but until I showed her. And I, you know how it is when you say, I'll, I'm going to show you. I'll show you. I literally well, did. Nothing happens. <laughs> you know, but, but sometimes you say, I'm going to show you and nothing happens. Well, it happened to the person who was going to show you, but they showed me instead. And I was the brunt of the joke because I was seeing my car, <laughs> not where, you know what I mean? And so, you know, and, you know, I wasn't smoking any dope. I wasn't drinking. I'm not schizophrenic. I'm not on any kind of, you know, psychotropic drugs for any kind of therapy for mental issues or anything. I'm just regular old, old me. I mean, everybody wants to throw weed and alcohol in as a factor, but I mean, I've done my fair share of both and I've never hallucinated something moving to two different places back and forth. Like everybody wants to throw that in as when you see a Sasquatch or you have some kind of experiences, Oh, were you drinking? Were you smoking weed? Like those type of things don't make you see stuff like that to begin with. Even like psychedelic drugs, like you're not really like you're seeing, you're not really, you're more so seeing things in your reality kind of like breathe and move, but you're not like seeing random objects just appear out of nowhere that don't exist. Like that's never anything that I've ever experienced with any of it. Yeah. Well, you know, I've done some pretty good acid back in the day. I've been around since, you know, 1950. So, you know, uh, 60s and 70s, I was in the heart of the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I I did my fair share and I've seen some bizarre stuff on some pretty good acid. But you have to be really cranked out of your gourd to see those things. And you cannot, unless you are paranoid or paranoid schizophrenic, or maybe suffering from severe forms of PTSD, you cannot hallucinate and see abstract things. So you have to have some mental issues going on for that to happen. You know, like you said, smoking a little weed or having way too much whiskey or beer or whatever uh, does not create those scenarios. You know, so, uh, but, you know, I know what I'm dealing with. And it's, it's, it's fascinating that they're, they're showing these and have shared them with me. And so, you know, sometimes I miss them, you know, coming around or showing me themselves in my sleep. You know, maybe as I'm talking about this tonight, they'll do something uh, highly unlikely. Cross my fingers. Anyway. Maybe you'll look out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so this is the unseen underbelly of what they don't want you to know. This is the stuff that's really going on. And even if you don't believe that this, if someone calls me and they just say, Hey, I just saw a Sasquatch crossing the road, which is about 50% of all Sasquatch sightings is literally them running along a highway or crossing a road in front of you as you're driving through a forest or out in the middle of a field or wherever you're at. The rest of them are all the other ones. Like uh, one was watching me fish in the forest on a Creek or, or, came into my backyard or, you know, uh, but 50% of them are just the standard road crossing. And there ain't nothing, that is an awesome thing. I've never seen one in broad daylight myself yet, but I don't need to. I've seen them three times at night on thermal. I've got a thermal video I can't show, but it will blow you out of the water. And if you saw it, you would go, 
That's real. Maybe uh, we'll have to we see that after the show. Know. Maybe we'll post it to the listeners, but I, I might, maybe I, I can look out and see it myself. <laughs> well, I don't, ha- I don't have it on this computer. I have it on a, it's stashed away, but you know, I promised a friend, you know, somebody would get in a lot of trouble if this ever got out, but it's, you know, someday uh, I will show it when I think the time is right that maybe this person will say, I think the danger is past, but it, it, it's, state-of-the-art high-grade thermal night stuff and it's unmistakable flat out period end of conversation you know it's is what it is so So, some of those thermos are some of the really really good stuff i've seen a few of them where it's like you have these giant human looking beings just crawling on the ground there'd be like three of them or something like that like i've seen some crazy thermo footage people will get some really good stuff with that yeah, and you know, and they're not under the under the impression we have that or that they're being watched because it's from a distance. They may not even know we're in the area, or they may be they do know we're in the area, but crawling on the ground, hiding, staying low, we can't see them. So, but that's just you know that's the difference between them and us. But I think they know, you know, all about our equipment. That's why trail cams don't work a lot of times. You know, you'll you'll get ten pictures. Uh, deer, 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 blank, 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 same deer continued on. You've got three frames missing. What happened? Well, something didn't want you to see something there. You know, you know the, the, the cameras, will, the electronics will falter. You hear people talking about their batteries draining overnight within an hour or two, putting them in brand new, fresh batteries. You know, I've never had that happen. I haven't gotten any real good trail camera photos anyway, because most of the time they know you're putting them up. I mean, they can smell them. They could probably hear them. They could probably see the infrared. I mean, it's probably just like a giant target and they're just like, all right, avoid that area. Cause I mean, even like certain big cats and stuff can see that stuff. So they, they'll avoid that too. It's the living room. It's like somebody putting a trail cam up in the corner of your living room. You walk in there, what the hell is that? You know, I'm not walking over. So they know they're there. They know what they are. You know, so uh, they avoid them. Uh, but, you know, this photo here, that's one Sasquatch that didn't get the memo. Hey, dumbass, don't walk in front of those little square boxes with eyeballs on them. That's a human thing. It almost kind of makes you wonder if the black might be, maybe one will come from behind, put their hand in front of it, and then the other ones will walk by. Maybe you just happen to catch a glimpse of the one moving its hand away from the camera lens. Well, see, on this one, uh, if you look at the time stamp, this is the same day, same location. He walks through here at 3.12, 36 seconds. This hand appears, same camera, same location, 3.12, 40 seconds. It was four seconds behind him. He never <laughs> saw it, never, never heard it, never sensed it. I think it materialized because it bumped the camera, and it got so close to it, that's why it's a little bit out of focus. And you can see the trees in the background that are not moving at all when the preacher's walking through there, the trees are bent because it bumped that camera and it changed the angle. It changed the darkness of the shadow because that shadow that's there, that little triangular shadow right here, 
it's not as dark and pronounced here because it's blocking some of the sun and it bumped the camera. See these trees over here that are look like they're blowing? There's no wind that day. Here's the same trees back here. They're not blowing. Four seconds, the gust of wind didn't come up like that, that it makes those kind of trees. You know, it just, uh, we think it, I think it materialized and it just came out of whatever portal or dimension it was in and landed almost on top of the camera. Just, he didn't have his GPS with him. You know, stupid Sasquatch didn't have a GPS. <laughs> just didn't, you know, wasn't paying attention. You know what I mean? I mean, I, you know, making a joke, but you, how else would that happen? Because, you know, and he was out doing his work where everybody, about every two months, they would go out and check all the camera, got about 35 cameras. Yeah, if you look at that, look at the timestamp on it. You know, you just have to look at that and go, oh my God, that's four seconds. One, two, three, four. Four seconds. See, I'm looking at the picture in the background. I, I can see what you're talking about with that one log that's moved a little bit and stuff too. And then, uh, like the, I can't tell if it's like knuckles or if it's like fingernails from the point of it, but it almost looks like it might be fingernails on the point it's of the picture. It's fingernails. It's just weird, and it might be a juvenile because you know, uh, I've seen some photos and they're similar, but I, I went and uh, you know looked up all kinds of uh, simian uh, hands, you know, gorillas, orangutan, orangpendex. Uh, chimps, and they're very similar. But you know, if it's a juvenile, maybe it's not quite fully developed. It might not have even been a Sasquatch, but it's something. Something definitely ape-like I mean, with the fingers. Because, I mean, it has like yeah, that dark brown it, skin. It, it is what it is. Yeah. And when, I, when I put that book out, uh, I got trolled and hateful crap uh, that's fake you know better than to put stuff out like that that's is absolutely fake and they were just i was just doing a promo like hey buy my book you know here's my book i was just holding the book up and someone sees that and they just trashed me tore me to shreds i said well if you knew the background if you read the book or listened to me explain then maybe, and that shut them up. They quit, you know, uh, because you can't argue with, I mean, you can argue with it all day long. If you don't believe, you don't believe, you know, that's fake no matter how you look, you know, Patterson Gimlin's fake, you know, you know, Ron Moorhead stuff's fake, you know, I mean, all that, you know, if you don't believe and are convinced that they don't exist at all or are satanic in nature or it's just hoaxed, well, of course, you know, that, that's your ammunition. If that's all you got, go away. Come on, come on. You're, you're a, a boy in a man's world when you're throwing that crap at me. Come on, man. You know, just be, be honest with yourself. Look in the mirror and be honest with yourself. You know, we've been at it two hours and my cough's getting to where it kind of needs to. I need to go take some more steroid stuff for my throat. I say you need like a drink or something. You got to coat your throat a little bit. <laughs> Well, I've been, I've been drinking water, but, you know, I, I was supposed to do this inhaler they gave me for the uh, the COVID after the after cough. So it's getting now where I'm starting to cough more. So I need to go take one of those and just go crash. But see, I usually awesome. Oop, go ahead. 
this is an awesome chat. I mean, you know, just let me talk. I told you I'm a talker. I mean, I, you know, I'll just I'll keep talking. But, you know, I just uh, love listening, to be honest with you. I mean, I could listen to you tell uh, tell about these encounters all day. <laughs> yeah, no, they're they're just they're fascinating and they're real, you know. And, you know, I'm not an armchair guy. I've, I've led four expeditions for BRFO. I've probably been on a couple of hundred private ones, you know. And, I mean, I got all kinds of stories. And they're not stories. They're events. They're real events. Whether you can wrap your head around it or not, it's a whole other story, you know. And I can't help if somebody doesn't believe it or not, you know. Uh, but if these are real things happening to real people. Somebody listening right now, anybody who's listening, everybody who's listening to your show, they know somebody that has had an experience with a Sasquatch or a UFO or something, but they just don't know it because they don't want to talk about it because they'll get laughed at. You know somebody, you just don't know it yet. You know what I mean? I mean, you know somebody in your circle of friends or an immediate circle of friends right past that. You know what I mean? I mean, somebody... You, you might run into if you, you go hang out at a bar, go listen to bands or something. I mean, there's somebody in there who's had anywhere walking down the street. There's people that have had events and they just will not say a word because they don't feel like they have a safe place to discuss it. Actually, really, really no funny lie. story. I started working this new job not too long ago and uh, back in, I think it was around 2014 or so. Um, I was a couple miles north of my house and I saw these like five red lights and they're kind of moving sporadically around the sky and then they all zoomed off from each other. My girlfriend saw them too. Um, and we kind of talked about them like these are definitely some type of like weird phenomenon UFOs, so to speak. And uh, I was talking to somebody at work out loud about this. And then I had some other guy that's like, hey, I lived in that area. What 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 year was it? And I told him like around the time and he was like, yeah, I saw those too. And he's like, I haven't told anybody about it. I didn't think anything of it. But all of a sudden you brought this up and now I knew I, I wasn't crazy because somebody else actually has seen these same things. So it's just weird little things. Sometimes even telling your story out loud, you might even have other people that saw the same thing from a different perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's how it happens. That's a, you know, uh, there's a really cool show on. We started watching it last night. It's called Encounters. It's on Netflix. It's real encounters. And it's just like what you described. You know, uh, two people in this town, uh, a rancher, very prominent rancher, had a big trucking company, he's a very successful rancher, farmer, and the town sheriff, although in this town he's a constable. Down in Texas, Stephenville, Texas, 2007. Two people reported a UFO incident. They saw it from different perspectives and in different shapes and sizes. A reporter got wind of it, made a comment on a news program, and they decided to have a town hall meeting. 200 people showed up. They brought chairs for about 40. 200 people in town had seen the same thing and said nothing to anybody because they didn't feel like they had anybody to talk to. That's huge. 200 people. Yeah. Uh, check it out. It's on Netflix. It just came out. It's called encounters. It is awesome. Actually, I think my girlfriend was and, telling me about that yesterday and said she added on the list for me. So I already, I think I already have that one on my, uh, my list of stuff that I'm planning on watching. Check it out. It'll sound just like what you just told me. It's just <laughs> it, incredible. You know, and it's got other stories, but that's the first one. That's a lead off. You know, I'm from Texas, so I know the area. I know exactly where we're talking about, you know, so it's pretty cool. I might have to sit but down and watch I, at least the first I, I, episode tonight. <laughs> yeah. I want to uh, tell you where you, my books are for sale. If anybody's interested, 
uh, I have a website. It's called sqexplorer.com. Real simple, sqexplorer.com. You can order my books from there. Uh, they're about 21 to 25 bucks a pop. I'm selling all three for 50 bucks and I'll eat the shipping. They're really good. They're full color books on nice glossy paper. They're not like cheap, you know, paperbacks. I'll vouch for that. I have all three and they are some really nice quality books. They're, they're nice. They're nice quality. I just can't do, you know, I, I, I had a book deal once with the beyond the fray and they, they came out looking the photos I take, they're really good, and they just do not translate into black and white. They just don't. When you're looking at a really vivid, beautiful color of a structure or a tree snap, you want to see it. You know, it just didn't – it ruined the effect. So, you know, I, I just sell them by myself out of my house, you know. and uh, But they're real nice. I autograph them. Uh, of course, that'll bring down the value, but I autograph them whether you like it or not. <laughs> you know. But uh, I'd like to do this again. This is fun. I mean, it's a good, you know, intelligent discourse, you know, whether, you know, you agree or not with a lot of things I said, you know, I think you've got an open mind. So you, all you got to do is have an open mind. That's the one thing, my, my parting shot. You don't have to believe. Just consider, just consider any of the things you read for me or anybody else that some of the stuff, if you're interested, might actually really be real. You don't have to tell anybody that you might believe it. If you want to keep that, you know, ape only or that stuff doesn't exist, you want to keep that front, go ahead. But it's look into it. It's just fascinating. It's a whole other part of the world and universe that nobody sees and hears about. And it's because of the ridicule, the fear of ridicule. Mm -hmm. Look what they did to UFO people for 80, 90 years. They, the government had a program to discredit and humiliate people that came forward. And they put your name and face in the paper and photos and TV, and they ruined you because they did not want that stuff going out. If you look at, into that matter, very, very heavy, you know, covert programs to discredit everything that came out until they just couldn't keep it secret anymore. Mm -hmm. It's going to be the same with Sasquatch. It's oh, definitely. It's a matter of time. You know, I think the time, the, the thing with the Sasquatch is going to be far more disturbing because if we are related to them and I think we are, they are related to us. We are to them. Uh, that's going to be a hard pull to swallow. They're as intelligent. They have the skills that we used to have long, long ago. Teleportation, uh, telepathy, levitation. And we invented things to do everything for us. We've become lazy and stupid because we have computers and cars and grocery stores. We don't have to hunt for our food. We can drive anywhere we want. You know, if we want to go see a movie, we do. We have things to do everything for us. So we've lost touch with our spirituality and the, the skills that we had as humans. I'm sure we've adapted to not even have them. those skills at all anymore. Like, I mean, there's there's some people that still have them, but I mean, generations and generations of not using a skill. Eventually, you're just gonna you're just gonna lose that skill altogether. Yeah, it's gone. You know, like, now if you get into the you know the meditation, the Tibetan monks, and in uh, they meditate in twenty four seven, and they can levitate. They do things you just cannot fathom 
but why share it? Because it's just going to be ridiculed. But they can, mm-hmm. you know, they have the skills. You know how they build the pyramids in Machu Picchu, levitation or laser or some other help from you know extraterrestrials or some extra extraterrestrial technology, if nothing else. That stuff, you know. You want to tell me you built the pyramids by dragging a 20-ton 20 20 stone on a couple of pieces of lumber across the desert? Are you out of your mind? Come on, man. You I mean, even more recently, you, you look at Coral Castle, too. That guy built that stuff by himself, and he was an older gentleman, and they were some giant yeah. giant stones. Like, And people that were yeah. around that were kind of hearing it while he had everything blocked off, they said they were hearing like humming and like different vibrations and stuff. Like, There's something to that, too. This yeah. guy had it figured out, and when he passed away, he took that secret with him, unfortunately, again. <laughs> yeah. Levitation or magnetics, something. Mm-hmm. You know, I've you vibrate it and levitate it or, or lift it somehow. You can just guide it. You can push it with your hand and just take it where it wants to go. And it, it weighs three ounces. And then when it gets to where it's going, it's back to its 10 or 20 ton self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, you know, you, you know that, that's a good example because, you know, uh, a lot of people don't know about the coral. That's guy in Florida, isn't it? In Florida? Yep. Down in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the stones, what, I can't remember what it was called in Georgia. Uh, the guide stones. Uh, yeah. The guide stones that were just vandalized and toppled and painted. Uh, they tell about how all this was done and who was here before and who, uh, they don't want us to know about that stuff. So it, it's bizarre. The world is not what we think it is. What they tell us it is. Exactly. Whoever's controlling the narrative controls history and controls the way, the method of thinking of everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to crash. Oh, no worries. I was going to say we're going to do words of wisdom, but you already got, you already beat me to the punch on that one. You already got your links. So I was just saying, you know, I can tell my throat's getting to the point where I'm going to have to start because I'm going to start coughing here. I already started a little bit, but. Oh no, you're good. You just beat me uh, to the punch on all the wrap up stuff. So I, I appreciate it. Okay. Okay, Well, I was just, you know, I just, yeah. That was just my way of, you know, signing off. But, you know, anytime, send me the link because I'll share the heck out of this, you know, and, and like I did the other and just, you know, put it, send it and I'll, I'll paste it all over my Facebook and stuff, you know. Absolutely. I appreciate it. I'd love to have you back on and I appreciate you making the time to come on today. And it's always a great conversation with you. Yeah, no, it's, a, you know, and, you know, like we could talk off the air about some other stuff I got going on, uh, which can't be repeated and, you know, go anywhere because it's conflicting uh, things going on. But it's 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 very interesting, but I, I, I just can't share it as part of my, my personal life. It's, but it's it, it's paranormal and there, there's some things going on that are really interesting. Oh, yeah. I'd definitely love to get into it. I'm just going to cut it off right here, and then we can talk off air. Yeah. Okay, well, let's do that. Then I'll go to bed. If you guys enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave a review or a rating for the show on iTunes or Spotify. Always appreciate it, and it helps so that the algorithms make it so that more people are able to see the show. And if you leave a five-star review on iTunes, I will read it on the show and give you guys a big shout-out. And uh, don't forget to share the show if you think anybody would particularly enjoy this episode or if you think somebody might be interested in the show as a whole. I do post clips of the show on YouTube and TikTok, so those are really easy and quick to share with people if you don't know if they're going to sit and listen to the full two-hour format of the show. Uh, And if you guys want to get a hold of me for any reason whatsoever, be it that you want to set up something uh, sponsorship-wise, if you have some type of uh, thing that I guess is 
somewhat related to the show or if you guys have some artwork or anything you want to contribute or you guys want to comment on anything or anything, any of that. If you guys just want to say hi, I'd love to get a hold of you. I'd love to be able to talk to you. So don't hesitate to shoot me a message. You guys can get a hold of me through Instagram, which is the form of social media I'm the most active on. Or you guys can email me at inquiriesofourrealitypodcast at outlook.com. Or you guys can go to the link tree, fill the submission form, and that will go directly to my email. Just make sure you guys check your spam or junk folders, make sure nothing gets missed in the process because I do respond to every single message that you guys take the time to send me. And everything that I mentioned, all available under the link tree, which is available down in the show description. But if you don't want to go and do all that, you guys can always type it into your web browsers and that's L-A-N-K-T-R-P-E-D-E slash inquiries of our reality podcast. And with that, hope you guys enjoyed the show and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.